Adam Schulman. That is approximately three and a half hours of our life. We're never going to get back, unfortunately. Seven if you want to count yesterday. I, I would prefer not to, but I think you're right. I, I don't know about you, but for me, especially in this, this slide here, Blake mentioned it earlier, 11, and, 11 out of 12 games, five or less runs they've scored. They've gone one in six against the Yankees and Orioles. It is... I don't know if I want to say exhausting watching the Blue Jays these days. Like I'm certainly not at the point where I won't watch. And you and I watch either way, but I would watch regardless of this job. But it is it is tiring watching and then discussing them struggle with runners in scoring position or making guys who have inflated ERAs look like they're the reincarnation of Cy Young out there, right? Like I, I'm I'm not here to I'm not going to crap on Dean Kramer, right? Because the guy went nearly a, a, a career high in pitches, but. Uh, in a single game, but how are you going to let Dean Kramer, who is fine, not a world beater, go out there and and do that to you, right? Like, you're not going to win every game, and I don't think anyone expects that, but the problem is that they are inconsistent, right? They're inconsistent in, in, in every aspect, and those inconsistencies, especially on offense, means that when you do have less games against the rest of the tight AL East because of the balanced schedule this year, and you lose those games you are basically needing other teams to do the work for you instead of controlling your own destiny, right? So that's just, like that for me, that's just not good enough for a team that you think has World Series aspirations. No, I, I think we, we've talked a lot about the runners in scoring position, but I feel like today, obviously there was the one for 17 Yankees game, and that, that sticks out. But today felt about as bad as it has been. I mean, it uh, wasn't yeah. even about hits with runners in scoring position, which, by the way, they had three hits in the game with runners in scoring position. Two of them, one of them didn't make it past the mound. It was a George Springer swinging bunt, didn't right. score anyone. Right. One was a Bo Bichette one that went off of Kramer's gloves. That barely makes it past the mound. Yep. And then one was Whit Merrifield's, which was big, although he was subsequently picked off right after it happened. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so there was just, this This was a three for 16 with runners in scoring position. And there were numerous times where they didn't need a hit. They just needed a fly ball or to not rifle a ground ball at the shortstop, and yet it happened. I, I don't know who made a deal with the, the baseball devil, I guess the opposition of the baseball gods, but they are paying for it right now because these guys cannot buy not even a hit, just a fly ball at the right time. A, a fly ball in four or five different innings today would have kept this game from going to extras and helped the Blue Jays avoid a sweep. That is Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. Welcome to Jays Talk across the Sportsnet Radio Network, streaming live on sportsnet.ca. And on the Sportsnet app as we discuss the end to the homestand, a homestand in which they go four and six over ten games, although after a sweep of Atlanta, they go one and six against the Yankees and Orioles. Uh, today they lose eight to three to wrap up the series against the Baltimore Orioles and, like I said, that homestand. Uh, you were taking your calls and texts, of course, as always. It's your show. Want to hear what you guys have to say. Phone lines are open, 416-870-0590. One triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cellular device five ninety five ninety is where you can text us. That's the people's text line, and it is always open. And let me tell you, Ben, it's spicy today. Oh, so, I, I I can imagine. I, I think there's like uh, virtually every take you can have <laughs> there is, uh, and I I am not there's not a criticism because after a one and six showing against your division rivals, that's probably uh, earned. I think. I, like, have you ever seen or heard that meme, Ben? 
where something bad happens and someone says, like, this is how I become the Joker. Like, or yeah, it's my Joker moment. This is my Joker yeah. moment. Yeah. The, well, I think watching the 2023 Blue Jays might be my Joker uh, origin story because I do think it is uh, going to make me, and I suspect many of the listeners, uh, somewhat crazy. I mean, you talked about the runners in scoring position issue, and this is not a new issue. Blair and Barker talked about this at length over the course of this entire homestand. And they talk about it all the time on their actual show. I suspect Blake is going to talk about it on JSTOCK Plus starting tomorrow. But bottom one, runners on first and third, no outs. You get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. up to the plate. You get Brandon Belt. Bo gets thrown out trying to steal second base in the bottom of the first inning. Bottom two, runners on first and second, one out, no runs after that. Matt Chapman did hit the solo home run before that. Well, that was that. before all yeah, of that. Yeah, that was before <laughs> these guys got on base. So I'm not really even counting that. Bottom four, runners on first and third, one out. Springer hits into a double play. Bottom six, runners on first and second. Danny Jansen had a pinch hit walk, which was great. Kiermaier hits into a double play. And then I think maybe one of the more egregious spots, because now, now Kramer is out of the game. Kramer is gone here, right? Runners on first and second, no outs. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. comes to the plate, and there are a lot of texts about Vladdy today. He he bounces out. They intentionally walk belt, so you get the bases loaded, and they come away with a sack fly, and that's it. Like it's crazy. And to that say was that. like a huge. That was like liberation when that sack fly <laughs> got hit. It was it, it was a standing O. Yeah, like get, getting a fly ball in the air. Just the fact that it wasn't on the ground with the bases loaded, I think, felt like you had been released. From, from something, like the heart of the order coming up to the plate, and you have to find a moral victory in getting one RBI sack fly with the bases loaded and one out, that's that's really tough. That's like, I just, there's no real excuse for that. Like, here's the thing, like, there's, no, there's only so many ways you and I, and I'll include Jeff and Kevin in this, there are only so many ways you can just come on after grizzly losses and say, well... Runners in scoring position. It should be better. They got to play. Like, there are only so many ways you can say that, right? Yeah, because it's not, you know, it's not like the power play in hockey where there's a different strategy. It's mind-boggling. I mean, you might slightly change your approach, but these guys were leading off innings with extra base hits like nobody's business, and then after the first guy picked up a hit, couldn't do anything. I mean, you just mentioned, if I'm not wrong, five different innings mm-hmm. in which they at least had a runner in scoring position and one or fewer outs. Most, I think four of those five innings you mentioned, there was a guy on third base, and they recorded a single run out of those five opportunities. Obviously, I'm sure there are texts about it, and we'll get to kind of the fifth inning or the 11th inning five-run blow-up that ends up really putting this game away. But they had lost this game long before it got to extras because the Orioles end up – passing them in hits because at a certain point if you have 10 hits and you score one run out of it you can't expect to keep getting more and more hits as the leverage ticks up for the Orioles in their bullpen and like you said with Kramer I mean no excuse these weren't even the A guys out of the bullpen today the A guys were burned CNL Perez granted you know he is one of their top guys out of the pen but that was a guy that they actually got to you're facing you know guys that the Orioles are stringing it together with because they had won the last two days and they shut the Blue Jays down only when there are runners in scoring position. (laughs) Before there's a guy on second or third, it's bombs away offensively. It's just, it's hard to explain. I think that's one of the things that makes it the most frustrating is that it's really hard to explain why it's happening or come up with some sort of tangible solution for it 
other than Blake mentioning in the broadcast that last year it was like this, and then all of a sudden things just started to even out. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough to watch, and I think it is it is doubly tough to watch. Okay, maybe doubly, maybe triply tough tough to watch when your opponents, while it is the struggles are happening, are your division rivals who you see less, and then on top of that, you just waste a phenomenal pitching performance from Kevin Gossman. He's your unquestioned ace, and the guy allows. He goes eight innings. He throws. He, I think he does something that I think a lot of people wanted to see more of, which is just go longer into games. He threw 115 pitches. It's a season high, the most pitches a Jays pitcher has thrown since Marcus Stroman did it in August of 2017. So it's been a while. Eight innings, six hits, two earned runs, four strikeouts, and just two walks uh, over 115 pitches. It's like a phenomenal pitching performance, and it, it effectively means nothing now. Yeah, they they had. Very little to work with in the pen, given that most of their leverage guys weren't there. And Kevin Gosman carried them today. Like you said, he was he was remarkable. It's you know, it technically I pro- probably wouldn't say was the absolute best start of the year because there's been some similarly long shutout starts. Sure, but it's pretty close. And in the context of what's going on, I mean, it's about as valuable as a start as you're going to get. That whole. MVP value versus, you know, production type thing. It's about as valuable of a start with the lack of bullpen arms you had that he could go that many pitches that effectively, and yet you come up empty. I mean, this is a guy, Kevin Gosman has two wins this season. They are not hitting for him, and it doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's, a frankly, a whole different discussion because enough happened today that that's probably not even on the docket, but it, it's it's quite remarkable that they could get the two starting pitching performances they had the last two days, which is almost 14 innings and only four runs allowed and not come up with a victory neither. Yeah, tough, tough, tough in every, virtually every aspect when you talk about an 8-3 loss in the 11th inning here at Rogers Center. Blue Jays dropping the series finale against Baltimore and wrapping up the homestand with that loss. Okay, let's go to the phone lines. 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. Shlomo calling in from Scarborough. Shlomo, what's up today, man? Hey, guys. I think we learned a lot in the last few games just about our division and about where the Jays are at. Number one, very disappointing to see Schneider get outcoached, I think, time and time again in this series. Um, the next thing is just, like, the roster construction. I think significant errors were made in the offseason. And I know it's early, but okay. Moreno, Guriel, Teo, 70 RBIs combined right now. Belton, Varsho, 25 RBIs. I forgot to check Kiermaier, but come on. That's, that's huge. It's a huge discrepancy. And I don't think the defensive run saves are going to make any difference when you have that kind of number. Like, we've been losing game, a bunch of games going to extra innings where I think having those guys in the lineup, having one or two of them, would have made a big difference because we do not have the punch and we've been relatively hungry. I mean, relative, relatively healthy. Also, it also dawned on me watching Baltimore, I don't think the Jays ever teared it down enough when we were redeveloping. Or, I mean, you look at the Yankees and the Rays and seeing them, they didn't have to really tear it down to the wheels. They've just had really good scouting and made uh, bolder, move, better moves than uh, Atkins. So my question is now where we're at. What's the play? Like, if it was up to you guys, can we send Biggio down? I think I checked on Fangraphs. He has three options. But who do you really bring up? There has, to be, there has to be a change here. This is unacceptable for what the Blue Jays are trying to accomplish and unacceptable for the starting rotation. What, 
Hey, Shlomo, thanks, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate you joining us here on JSTOCK. I, uh, I, th I think his, he kind of answered his own question when he, when he said, yeah, could you send Biggio down? I, uh, honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to it because it was a really tough week for Biggio. We kind of joked that yesterday he kind of like caught some strays well, without, yeah, without ever play. playing. Yeah, and then today the he, he did play. And the I, I don't know if I, I want to necessarily get on the guy too, too much for the overslide at second. But I don't it's think he just, factored in a ton, but it's not a great look. It, it's not, <laughs> that's what it is. It, it's just it's just emblematic of everything that has not gone right for BGO over the course of the entire season, essentially, right? So yeah. that's not great. He, a lot of non-competitive ABs as well. And it, it was also unfortunate the uh, overslide at second comes after he worked a walk, essentially, right? So I, I don't disagree that he could be sent down, but it, it, to – like uh, like Shlomo said, who who do you call up in his place? Like we we talked about it before. Like the only minor leaguer right now that is hitting even kind of well is Spencer Horwitz. And like we talked about yesterday, Horwitz is is virtually only going to play at first base. So and and there's no real issue at first base right now with Vladdy and Belt. And I and I know Vladdy has not been producing as well as you'd like, but I mean he's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and he's going to be staying first base and with, he through all a lot more uh, than Spencer Horowitz. No offense to Spencer yeah, Horowitz, exactly. But. That's just that's not going to happen. So if you're not bringing Horowitz up to fill in the same way that Biggio is, who is that guy? I mean, you want maybe you know could could it be like an Arelvis Martinez and Addison Barger eventually? I maybe, but not. In the next couple of weeks, not in the next uh, month. Elvis Martinez is hitting about 150 at double A. Yeah. He's not. He's not coming up. Um, and and Addison Barger is struggling. It is. I, I did look at some of the Buffalo stats today. The issue is too. You got to look at guys that are on the 40, or else you're making some serious moves here, which could happen. But you know, you you have like a Rafael Antigua who's hitting pretty well, but he's not on the 40 man roster. Ernie Clement's not on the 40 man roster. If if Santiago Espinal goes to the IL for 10 days, Otto Lopez will play. But I I don't. I, well, I do think that there's a possibility they make some moves there, and we even talked about yesterday. If you're not getting utility out of guys, if you don't want to play them much, you may as well send them down and look for stuff. I, I don't know that Biggio – I mean, Biggio has started zero games in this skit. I, I really don't think that he is the cause of this. I think it has been a lot more of the guys that have actually been on the field. I, I will say, Shlomo's point about did they tear it down enough, I do think – I mean, first of all, they won 67 games one year. They traded everyone. And they had more in their farm system right when Atkins and Shapiro got here, really, than Baltimore did. Like, I think it's, it looks nice now that Baltimore tore it down, quote-unquote, but they won 47 games in 2018, 54 games in 2019, 52 games in 2021. When you're out on the other side of it, that's great, but I, I, I would kind of fall on the side that I think it's better that the Blue Jays didn't lose a hundred games in three straight full seasons i i don't think i don't think that that is fair to the fans here even if it does sometimes get you what you need and and you know well, it's, it's it, really only thing. basketball it, i think where you tank and get a guy and it's just like that a baseball team is 26 guys and it doesn't always work out also look, yeah. at, look at some of these other teams that have been bad forever right like look at the i mean maybe the tigers are starting to come around maybe the royals are kind of sort of starting to come around but they've been bad for a really long time yeah. and they have endured multiple well I, I forget about the tigers how many how many 100 loss seasons they've had recently but the royals certainly have had a whole boatload yeah, of them and even and you're being pretty generous to them yeah, too with the I coming I, around i think i probably i think i probably am <laughs> the, the reds are probably in the same boat like it it, it ab like shlomo's the right pirates. It, it, it did pirates are a great example like it absolutely seems to have right now worked out for the baltimore orioles not going to question that 
but I, I guess my my only counter to that is it doesn't always work out for everyone. And I would much rather be in this situation than be in like a Tigers or a, or a some, someone else's situation. Yeah, and the Orioles. I mean, we are forty seven games into the season. Like the Orioles are in kind of the twenty twenty one Blue Jays phase right now. There's no. They ha- they have made no dividends yet. They, yeah, they have won yeah. a bunch of regular season games, which is great, but no one, you know, it's the famous Moneyball line. No one cares unless you win the last game of the season. It doesn't matter. Like, the Blue Jays have really only had expectations for last year and this year. They made the playoffs last year for the seventh time in franchise history, but I understandably, people don't care unless yeah, you win the last game you, of the season or yeah. you get pretty close. So... I, I do think Sloman made a lot of good points there, though. Don't get me wrong. And, and it is a credit to Baltimore, who has scouted really well. I will say the Blue Jays, you know, to get Vladdy and Bo and some of the guys they traded, like Teoscar in his final year of his rookie contract, they traded Lourdes in his final year of his rookie contract. There is good scouting that goes into that. They, they built from within. They're not the Yankees. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines, uh, 416-870-0590, 1-888-666-0590, star 590 on your cell. John calling in from Mississauga. John, welcome to JSTOCK. What's up today, man? I am very disappointed with this team. We waste Gosman's pitching today, having a ton of opportunities. Uh, what's with Vladdy, 0 for 5, and like he's guessing? At what pitch is coming? Uh, we traded away Moreno, who's going to be the future for a long time, to keep Kirk. Can someone explain that to me, please? Yeah, John, appreciate the call, man. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, it, look, I it, I said this yesterday too, but you 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 don't want to watch too much of what Moreno and Lourdes are doing in Arizona because they are off to a, a very good start, yeah. especially for, I mean, we talked about teams that have struggled, especially for a team that has struggled uh, in the last decade or so in, in terms of the Arizona Diamondbacks. But uh, I, I do think ultimately there is still some upside for Kirk. I do think that, but it is true that it does not look good right now because of what Kirk has looked like basically the entire season, regardless of the uh, late start or not, regardless of that. Last two games, I will say, he had a, he had a double yesterday, I believe, and then two hits today. And the, the one thing I would say to John, and I, I, I totally understand the, the frustration, I, I don't think that Alejandro Kirk and Gabriel Moreno were given the same value in the trade market. Right. I, I'm not, I don't think it was, oh, you can throw in either one of them. I mean, Gabriel Moreno was one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Alejandro Kirk had an incredible first half. If you go look at the second half last year, it, the numbers are incredibly different than they were in the first half. Not unlike, you know, the season, the all-star season that Santiago Espinal had last year too, where it came on strong at the beginning and then it faded a little toward the end. So I, I just think that deal, you know, if you don't like that deal, that is your opinion and I get it, but I don't think it's as simple as, oh, well, they could have thrown any of the catchers in there and it would have been the same. Like the centerpiece of that trade was not one year of Lourdes Gurriel. It was six years of Gabriel Moreno, and that's that's why they made that trade. They wouldn't have acquired Dalton Varsho had Gabriel Moreno not been in that trade, most likely. And look, early on, it, it does look like Gabriel Moreno is hitting really well, but he is, and I, I hope he does, but he's 60 games into his Major League Baseball career, so I would, I would exercise some caution with uh, projecting him to be Buster Posey just yet. Let's continue the phone calls. 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. Russ joining us from New Jersey. Russ, welcome back to Jay's Talk. What's up? 
Good afternoon. What a difference a week makes. You know, last yeah, no, week no you sweep Atlanta crazy. You know, I know everyone's talking Biggio and this guy. But, you know, Biggio's not the reason this team, you know, he's obviously not very good. But, you know, you come up with too many opportunities. Matt Chapman, he had two RBRs today. He had one in the month of May till today. So now he has the big three for the month of May. Like you guys said, they just keep on getting opportunities coming up. Vladdy, you know, early on in the season looked like he was staying back. He was seeing the ball better than the last few games. You've seen him jumping at pitches. I'm sure he's hearing that he hasn't hit a homer in Rogers Center this year. It just, you think, like like you said, you think you're going to win that game. The Osmond pitch is great. And, you know, you got to talk about five runs or less. It's basically been a lot of games three runs or less. You know what I mean? So you're not going to win that very many games scoring three runs or less. And I think I would sign up for two and two today in Tampa because I, I, I just, you know, I think I'll take two and two all day long. I, I just very, very frustrating. I can't believe that we're talking about the Blue Jays' offense not hitting. You never thought you would have talked about that in the beginning of the year. You thought you'd talk about maybe Oreo struggling or Kikuchi struggling or even Bassett. But, you know, it just, it's tough to watch this offense. It just, like you said, get chances and chances and chances and just can't get a hit. Yeah, thanks so much for the call, Russ. It, it 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 is understandably frustrating. I mean, it's it's again, it's just puzzling because even today, you know, to generate 16 opportunities with runners in scoring position means you're picking up a lot of hits and he's talking specifically about Vladdy. It is a mystery so far this season. He is like an all-world hitter on the road so far. And he has been a well below league average hitter at home. And, and and that is not a trend that has existed in his career. And he's put together enough of a sample size over the previous essentially five years now of his career that it's, it's not a thing where Vladdy doesn't hit at home. He hits at home more than he hits on the road. Last year he was better. But this season, I mean, all seven of his homers, like Russ mentioned, and in over 1,000 OPS with a 350 batting average at home, he's hitting below 250 with a near 600 OPS at home. It, it is puzzling. Maybe a trip back on the road is what these guys need. They they had had some pretty strong road series before, but I think Russ is absolutely right. If you take two from Tampa, even if the, these series went well, to be honest, if you take two from Tampa out of four at the Trop, I think that's good. Certainly now, if you can take two – like the Bassett start on the front end and, and something else uh, in the final three, although there is a McClanahan in there, I think you have to be happy with that. I don't disagree with you. However, based on what we have seen in the last ten games, uh, well, maybe not ten games, in the last seven games, yeah. I would say two and two. While I, w- I would absolutely take it, I don't know how likely that is, given... No, given, I'm not saying it's their, probable. Yeah, it's <laughs> even, the only issue. In general, it's not even that probable, even if they were playing mediocre baseball. I mean, the Rays are, what, 22-4 and four at home this year? Yeah, they are. They, <laughs> I think today was... They, they lost today to the Brewers, so but... They're 21-4 and four at home. Yeah, and, and still, that, so even so, that is a, a re- truly ridiculous statistic. So, yes, I w- you absolutely would take a 2-2 two and two split with the Rays at the Trop. Uh, but uh, I just I I need to see more from this team that tells me they are capable of going two and two in a place where the home team has only lost four games all season, right? That's that's all I'm saying. Um, let's go to the text line real quick: five ninety five ninety name and location. Uh, then we'll squeeze in a couple more calls before we take our break. I uh, just I mean there are a lot of just a lot of comments on on the whole of what we have seen, not just today but overall. 
I see, for example, Will and Victoria. While I think the Jays are better than they have played as of late, I think they've given up too much ground in the division. They should think about retooling at the deadline. The farm is looking threadbare. The lineup looks like it bo belongs to a bottom five spending team, not a luxury tax team. Too many mistakes from the front office. Time for a change. I see another one here from... Actually, there's no name on this one, but it just says, does Schneider expect any better than that base running gaffe by Belt, which was relatively early in the game? Uh, only yesterday, Schneider, he got a taken out of the game at third as he was running to third only yesterday Schneider made a counting mistake this team needs a shakeup, and shuffling the batting order isn't it and then a number of texts about certainly more about Schneider John in North York fans are going to yell for Schneider's head but it's Atkins and the analytics team that haven't drafted very well high performance uh, attention to detail how about better players especially the bullpen 230 million dollars this team is not good enough that's on the GM I do I do kind of when you think about John Schneider's managerial style, I do wonder how much of it is similar to Charlie Montoyo. In the it, only in the sense that I do think a lot of and player Barker joke about the khakis all the time, but I do think a lot of what goes into what they talk about in terms of the high performance department, man, quote unquote, managing from the top down, does go as much into how John Schneider makes decisions as much as it went into perhaps what Charlie Montoyo used to do. I mean, I, I think all 30 major league managers right now are listening heavily to analytics, to be honest. <laughs> I would say if, if, if your issue with John Schneider is that he listens to analytics, then the, the 1985 season is available on YouTube and you can watch it because every single team is heavily based in analytics these days. And it's just, it's just the reality of baseball, I think, whether you like it or not. To the point that was made on the text line about the base running, though, I, I will say one distinct thing I think about Schneider is the aggressiveness that he's employed in contrast to Montoyo. Sure. They committed four outs on the bases today. Brandon Belt got thrown at advancing. Whit Merrifield got picked off when he was clearly going to try and steal. Biggio. Kevin Biggio yeah. and Bo Bichette both got thrown out at second. Yeah. When you're not hitting with runners in scoring position, and I'm not saying I could do any better of a job than anyone, but I don't know if that's the time to be as aggressive. Like, you kind of want to keep your ducks on the pond and keep giving guys chances, I think. And, you know, they took – there are other people who would say, hey, you're not getting it done. Gamble. See if they throw a ball into center field. I get it. But my philosophy would probably be keep as many guys on base as possible and try and make do out of what you have and see if you can come up with a big hit. But, yeah, it's I I don't think, uh, kind of like we were saying yesterday, that that uh, that John Schneider see, sees any large reprimand. You know, great World Series winning teams, and, I, and I'm not calling them a World Series winning team or not, but – Lose six out of seven games. It, it happens. Let's squeeze one more call in before the break. Surin joining us from Brampton here on JSTOCK. Surin, what's up? Hey, hey, hey man. Um, all right. I hope you guys are doing great. Um, look, I like to talk about same one of John Schneider. I mean, I, this guy don't seem to have a feel for the game. I mean, I know he's been around his whole life in baseball. But you look at the game and his pitching changes. It's, it's horrendous. The, the timing of them, I find them to be ridiculous. And it has caused uh, um, the Jays. Um, I mean, quite a few games going back from last season against Seattle in, in, the, in the playoffs, coming down this season. I, I think, you know, like, um, was it uh, yesterday when, um, when he pulled um, – when there was runner and first and second, our base was loaded. Something like I can't remember. But then um, the the new reliever that they got, 
Swanson. The, the guy yeah. is capable of cleaning up his own mess. He pulled him, brought Rom- um, Romano in, and the, the guy was just sitting and waiting on his breaking ball and gulped him out to the park. I mean, like, it, and it goes on and on, and, you know, I, I question here, I question John Snyder as a manager. I, I mean, like, I don't see the confidence. I don't see, you know, this kind of um, um, what you're looking for in a manager in his decision-making. And I think it starts there. And, and the other point, uh, i like to continue the other point about the hitters in sc- with runners in scoring position. These guys, it's unbelievable. The way they seem to be, they're unable to adjust to situations. I mean, like, um, you know, nobody's, um, like, cutting down their swing and just to put the ball in play or whatever. And you have pitchers pitching them away, away, or away, or in, and they keep playing at pitches that is not in the strike zone. Now, when we look at starting with Boston, New York, Baltimore, these guys are very hard out. They make you work. Sir, thank for you, sir. Him. We pre- I appreciate the call. Thank you for thank you for calling. I'm not trying to cut you off. It's just we do have to do have to run by the top of the hour here. But uh, we still got to squeeze a break in. But I do take his points. Uh, we ta- we kind of talked about the Schneider pitching change thing from yesterday. I I do think today, specifically for today's ball game, he had there was no real choice today specifically. But to Cern's point. It is to a certain degree a result of like the domino effect of the pitching changes that we've seen over the last couple of days, right? Like there was no Romano, there was no Swanson. They had been very heavily used, not just yesterday, but in the, in the last week and a bit. Let's say they've been they've been seen a lot of a lot of appearances. Certain mentioned Swanson specifically. Swanson is on pace. Adam Simber, who I'm sure will rejoin the team in Tampa at some point here, but a- Adam Simber pitched I think 70 something times last year, which was one of the most, if not the most, in all of Major League Baseball. Swanson right now is on pace for 80 plus pitching appearances this year that's crazy yeah that is crazy and i think we've seen the fatigue show up a little bit we have i mean it's that for me you know i get certain's point but yesterday you know schneider ends up going to his closer in a big spot and he gets hit swanson gave up a hit and a walk and that's why they were in trouble i i can't really name someone who's really other than maybe nate pearson honestly yep and tim Mesa, who's really got it going right now so just the way i see it personally it doesn't. It, it hasn't mattered much who he's calling on. They have not had a lot of reliability out of the pen so far. Yeah, Scott and Brampton texted in to say uh, Garcia is now in a different room when you're talking about the circle of trust. And you, you know, I like my circle oh, of yeah, trust uh, analogy. He is. Uh, <laughs> I find it difficult to agree. I was like, I'm truly. I think one of the biggest Jimmy Garcia boosters that you would find. And I it is, He has not been good. He is. No. He has not been good at all. To your point about Nate Pearson, really quickly, uh, he pitched two innings today. He allowed one hit, one run, which was not earned. And it was the three, ghost runner. And it was the ghost runner. It three strikeouts for Nate Pearson. Ultimately, that is probably probably the highest leverage spot we have okay. seen for Pearson. It, maybe in his time since in the season specifically, maybe the second highest leverage spot at, at worst. I, I'm not I'm not saying he has supplanted Jordan Romano here as a closer, but I think he has earned higher leverage outings, especially when you can't depend on them from, let's say, Jimmy Garcia. Yeah, and, and I, I know this is not what people want to hear right now, but I would have to say that was a good decision by John Schneider, clearly by the evidence, to go 
to Nate Pearson in a tie game in the ninth inning and in the tenth because he a lot of the books would have said go to Jimmy Garcia at that point, and this game could have been over quicker. Yeah, Ian, Ian and Brampton just texted in. Pearson, it's time to take Garcia's job. That might very well be what's happening. We'll have to see. Uh, let's take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll check in on the standings update, and then we'll go back to the text line as well. You're listening to Jay's Talk, Show and Ben with you for a couple more minutes on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali Ben Shulman with you for a couple more minutes as we wrap up the 8-3 Blue Jays loss to the Orioles. Wraps up the series, wraps up the homestand. Blue Jays get swept by the Orioles, 1-6 against the Yankees and Orioles. Uh, in the last 11 of 12 games, they scored five or less runs. So things not super positive right now in Jays land. It only gets tougher as they head to Tampa for the first of four starting tomorrow. Let's check in on the Major League standings. Watch Ben before we go back to the text line really quickly. Presented by Bet365. You can download the Bet365 app and check out the latest odds for today's baseball games. 19 plus. Play responsibly. Ontario only. So Tampa did lose today. They are 34 and 14 with the win. Baltimore is 31 and 16. The Yankees did win in a very early game against the Cincinnati Reds. They are 29 and 20. Boston, I believe, is in action right now against the San Diego Padres. Last I checked, they were down, but that game still has a ways to go. Uh, so they are entering play. They are 26 and 20. Well, and they're down a lot. Sorry, <laughs> they're, score, they're down right? six nothing uh, right now. The Padres. All right. Sixth. Well, there's time for that to change. But I think if you are a fan of the Blue Jays, you were hoping it does not. Uh, and, of course, the Blue Jays themselves with the loss. They are 25 and 22. They're still three games above 500, but they are well back of the Rays. They're eight and a half games back of the Rays. They're six games back of the Baltimore Orioles. That's our quick check of the Major League standings watch. All right, we got a couple minutes left here, Ben. Let's go to the text line. Uh, there's a, a measured one here. There's no name on this one, but they say it's terrible at the moment, but we know it gets better. Just a long season roller coaster ride. Uh, Chris from Pefferlaw says, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, does say the old saying, quote unquote, it's early, but with the inconsistencies that are going on, when does the panic or urgency button get pushed? I mean, sir, I think the or I think they're slamming that urgency button. I don't know if the panic yeah. button has been pushed, but they're they're like hammering that urgency button. I I I've said this to you before. I think I'm one of the more patient people when it comes to preaching. It's early, and it's still time to turn it around. I know people get sick of that stuff, but we have now played 47 games. That is just under 30 percent of the season. It's like 29 point something percent of the entire season. So we're basically approaching a third of the entire season having been played. I. If the urgency button is not being smashed, then I don't know what's going on in the front office because I think we do have a good sense after almost a third of the season of what this team, to a certain degree, is at this point. This is such semantics, but I'm a little bit more of like a panic meter kind of person because it's just, I don't think there's like... More satisfying to press I'm not like a zero to 100 kind of person on this. I think it like builds and builds and builds. So for me, it's like there's definitely cause for concern. I, I think it's been talked about a little bit this year, but... Really, last year, the Blue Jays did not start playing the baseball, the quality of baseball that we thought they would play until game 43. That was the game where they beat St. Louis 8-1. to Then they went and swept the Angels and the White Sox, and they were kind of off and running. I mean, they did have a, a bit of a midseason skid there, manager changes, as we all remember, but that was when they really started to play the brand of baseball we expected them to. So I, I do – it is – understandably frustrating to hear all the time i do still think it is quite early there are guys having great seasons who could end with terrible seasons and guys who are having terrible seasons who could still end with great seasons but i i think the sense of urgency 
that you said is the right thing. I do think they have to be urgent to win division games especially and to not let this, you know, you can't go to 500. Like, you can, but you really don't want to. Like, yeah, you no. want to try and kind of get out of this as soon as possible and just win series. Like, this year they've just won six in a row, lost five in a row. Won seven in a row, lost three in a row. Won four in a row, lost six in a row. Just taking some two out of threes, yeah. I think, would be really therapeutic for everyone. Yeah, it's going to be tough to do. Uh, again, I think I, I will take two and two in Tampa. Oh, yeah. But, yes, uh, again, they, they need to play a lot better to get to two and two. Uh, we have a couple minutes left here. I'm just going to wrap up on these last couple of texts. Uh, this is Rob here. He says, I'm still a huge fan. We'll continue to keep watching or listening, but this season has been frustrating. It's not enjoyable to keep doing this. How long do you think they can continue without some major shakeup? I mean – if the Blue Jays are under 500 or at or under 500 by the All-Star break, and, oh, oh my and, goodness. And, and it's not it's not out of the realm <laughs> oh of possibility, but if they're if they're there, especially when the, the schedule lightens up heading into the All-Star break, I think that you're going to have some more serious conversations about that. Yeah, although I don't know if it's kind of, you know, they have a lot of money committed. This is not an easy this is not an easy fix if you were to say let's completely reshape it. I, I think they're kind of in for a penny in for a pound and they would still add they probably will. I think they, they need to add something at the deadline. They, they absolutely do, and certainly uh, we'll, we'll have a better sense where this team is after the All-Star break, after the trade deadline, and, of course, after this four-game set against Tampa Bay Rays, which starts tomorrow with Chris Bassett on the mound as well. That's Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. Thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. Did you know that vehicles rust faster in warmer weather? As the weather warms and we all get ready for summer, make sure your vehicle is protected from rust with Crown. Visit crown.com for your nearest location. For Ben Shulman, Ben Wagner, Blake Murphy, Tom Young, Andrew Adams, and David Sis, I'm Show Ali. We thank you for sticking with us after a tough loss here on Jays Talk, an 8-3 loss to the Orioles. Blair and Barker do have Jays Talk this week for the first three games of the Rays series. Ben Ennis, is going to be mixed in there for that day game against Tampa. Ben and I are back for the Twin Series Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll talk to you then.